You're listening to the Bethel Baptist Podcast. This recording is from our adult Sunday school class. Today's lesson is taught by Keith Wilkinson. All right, well, we'll get going this morning. Kind of ended late service there so people can straggle in and we got some other things going on, but we'll get started. And uh, what we're going to do today is certainly take some prayer requests and then we'll uh, provide some opportunities for people, a couple comments about maybe having some more questions on the videos. Uh, on the video that we uh, showed about psychology in the church. And so I'll provide a little bit of an opportunity there for some discussion or questions. So you do have a handout back there if you didn't have one already that really just the things that I came up with, things to think about <clears throat> in that video. And uh, certainly you can look at that. And then we'll move on to uh, looking at the, the, ha- the other handout that's back there on communication. So. Father, we thank you for giving us this time this morning to um, uh, dig into your word, to look at some principles in scripture that we see out of Ephesians 4, uh, even as we think back on the video on psychology in the church, that uh, if there's any lingering questions there, that we would address those. And, and again, as we think about those things, we would think about them through the lens of scripture, that uh, we would address all things through the lens of scripture, but especially uh, some of the things with psychology and psychotherapy. Pray for us, uh, again, just uh, what Pastor Kirk was going through this morning and in your character that you're not a God of partiality. And that is so important in our lives as we think about salvation, but it's also important in our lives as we think about how we live our lives day by day. And as I mentioned earlier, that is just a great example for us in in how we are to live uh, wherever we find ourselves, whatever situation we find ourselves. So help us to be mindful of that. Now, grace, give us your grace this morning as we have this discussion. And uh, may all of these things be honoring and glorifying to you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. All right. So any, uh, any lingering comments, questions, observations on the, the um, video that we showed, Psychology and the Church? Uh, for those that didn't or, or haven't watched it, I guess you're a little, little bit of a disadvantage, but um, uh, for the others that watched it, anything that that jumped out at you or questions you had, uh, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, or some of those things. No further questions on psychology or psychotherapy? Uh, two things I do have up here, if you want those, are handouts. Uh, one is really the whole uh, comparison of counseling methods, uh, looking at uh, whether it be a psychologist, famous psychologist, Freud, Adler, Young, all of those. that kind of lays it out, and then the biblical perspective. And then the other handout that I had was the uh, handout on uh, the view of man that we talked about with regard to whether man is composed of body, soul, and spirit. Or is man just comprised of body and spirit, or body and soul, soul and spirit being interchangeable there? And so it's the article on dichotomy and trichotomy. And I had mentioned that, so feel free to take those if you'd like. If we run out, I can certainly uh, get some more. All right. Hearing no more questions or comments on psychological counseling, well, we'll move on to uh, conflict resolution or really this communication, which is. Um, 
uh, certainly one of the essential aspects of conflict resolution. So as we think about conflict resolution, one of the things that's so important to understand is that as we go about trying to resolve conflict, uh, the initial stages of conflict resolution, one of the just general principles that comes out of that is you're going to probably have more conflict. Um, so as you're trying to resolve conflict, you end up getting into conflict. And so that's just a reality of trying to resolve issues. And so hopefully, hopefully we're going to have, uh, she's fine. <laughs> so hopefully we'll see that as we kind of go through some of the things this morning. One of the things I would mention with regard to just kind of keeping some of these things in your mind that we do have available. There's a little, uh, these counseling booklets that we have out in the fellowship hall. And this one titled, Can We Talk? And so some of the things you're going to hear this morning are in this pamphlet. There's some more information in there as well. But that is a great little pamphlet to uh, take and just absorb the information that is in there. And certainly if we run out of those out there, uh, let me know and uh, well, we'll order more anyway. But certainly if you would like one, we can get that into your hands. So having said that, the other handout that you have back there oops, is the uh, conference table handout. So that's what we're going to be uh, kind of eventually getting to uh, this morning. We'll kind of walk through uh, some of that. So um, if, you, if you don't have a copy of that, um, anybody need a copy of that? Everybody got a copy? Okay, sounds good. All right, so as we move into that, one of the things we're going to do, or we're going to start is looking at Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to look at verses 25 to 32. And the reason we're going to do that is there's actually some principles out of those passages that we can draw uh, or draw from that would help us in our communication. And that's essential as we move into going through this handout, the conference table. And so uh, if you turn to Ephesians 4, we're going to take a look at verses 25 to 32 and then point out a few things that are in there. All right. If you don't have a Bible, I'll try to keep up on the screen here. We'll go through it that way. All right. So Ephesians 4, 25 to 32. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. And so the, um, you know, the, the intent of what's going on here is Paul is talking about the, the process of putting off, putting on, and what is that supposed to look like in a person's life? He's talking about if we have been saved in Christ, 
then there should be a difference in our life, a difference in the way we live our life. And part of that difference comes from this process of getting rid of unrighteousness and putting on righteousness. Getting rid of unrighteous behavior and putting on righteous behavior. And that should be something that is evident in our life. That's what is going on in these passages in 25 to 32. But within that, we can draw out some broader principles from that. So what I'm going to present here is not the main point of the text, but it's a broader application of the text. And so that's what we want to think about when we think about these, what we're going to call the four rules of communication. When we have communication with another person, we always want to be mindful of these things. They're very straightforward, but it's amazing how many times we break these rules of communication. And so that's what we want to start with as we move into this handout of the conference table. So what are the four rules of communication? The four rules of communication that come out of that section of Scripture is, number one, be honest. But we always are going to tell the truth. The second is keep current. And by that, we mean always keep current on um, conflict that you have. We don't want to let conflict go uh, unresolved. We don't want to um, uh, have things that have happened with regard to conflict uh, go unresolved, and then those things seem to come up in conversation or conflict later on. Um, What typically happens with regard to that is two people have an argument or disagreement. There's conflict that results because of that, and it doesn't get resolved. And it could be six months down the road. It could be a year down the road. It could be two years down the road. And now there's more conflict. And invariably what happens is somebody brings up that event that happened six months ago. Yeah, it's just like when you did, and fill in the blank. Now we're not dealing with one issue. We're dealing with two issues. And you can see how problematic that becomes when things happen where more and more and more conflict is unresolved. We have a conflict and and, uh, it doesn't get resolved. And six weeks later, we have another conflict. And two weeks later, we have another conflict. And on and on it goes, right? And now there's a conflict a year and a half from that point there's 20 unresolved conflicts and all of those things come up. (laughs) And now instead of dealing with one issue, we're dealing with 21 issues. You can just see how much of a problem that is, right? And so we want to make sure that we keep current. We want to make sure that we're always resolving problems and resolving them quickly. The third one, which is very important in communication, and that is attack the problem, not the person. Um, And and again, that really comes back to this attitude or idea we have when we are trying to resolve conflict. Many times we result in going after the person instead of going after the problem. We have to be very careful with our language. And again, I kind of mentioned that with uh, the previous thing, uh, an unresolved conflict, and now we're trying to resolve something else down the road. And the comment comes up. with some kind of an issue and you're kind of pointing your finger at the other person and going, you always do fill in the blank. You're going after the person. 
You're the problem in this thing. If it weren't for you, we wouldn't have any problems. If you would just do, fill in the blank, everything would be fine. Right? That's going after the person. It's not addressing the problem that we're trying to resolve. So we want to always make sure that we're going after the problem and not the person. And then the last one is act, don't react. Um, when you look at verses 31 and 32, you're looking at behaviors that we need to get rid of and then behavior that we need to uh, put on, right? The let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. 32, be kind to one another. That's an intentional action. That's being proactive in how I relate to somebody else. The other ones, the bitterness, anger, clamor, those are reactionary things. Somebody does something and I lash out at them, right? And that's not how we want to have communication. We don't want to communicate with people in that way. And you can think about that in a number of different things, right? Uh, you think about people that are presented with some kind of a real life issue. Maybe uh, it could be uh, an aging parent, right? And something's happening with that aging parent. And you have never discussed what are you going to do as a couple if this thing happens? And now this thing happens. And you are on completely different uh, kind of sides of the issue. You have one idea how things should move forward, and your spouse has another idea on how this thing should move forward. And because you haven't discussed it, the, the situation presents itself, you're going in opposite directions. And that in and of itself it causes conflict, right? So we want to think about being proactive in. Um, situations we certainly want to be proactive in communication and so those are things to be mindful of so that's our those are the four rules of communication uh, again just going back to the scripture references verse 25 there uh, therefore lay aside falsehood speak truth each one of you with his neighbor for we are members of one another and so that that verse there is calling us to always tell the truth be honest but i want you to notice one of the things that's in all of these passages is kind of the, the one anotherness of these passages, right? So uh, in 25 there, it tells us to stop lying, right? And we're supposed to speak the truth. But at the end of that verse, it says, for we are members of one another. And this is a good thing to be mindful of as we think about communicating with, with each other, is that our communication is bigger than just us. It's bigger than me and the person I'm having the conflict with. Particularly, it's the body of Christ. We are members of one another. I'm not doing this just for me. I'm not doing this just for my spouse. I'm doing this for the goodness of the body of Christ. I'm doing this because there's something bigger than me that's involved here. And you certainly see that with the be angry and do not sin, do not let the sun go down in your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. When we have unresolved conflict, again, the, the, the intent of the passage there is that we resolve conflict quickly. It doesn't mean that if I get angry at my wife in the morning that I have until bedtime to, to make it right. You know, I can, I can wait until it's bedtime and then I can make it right. 
it's talking about the, the intent there is to resolve conflict quickly. And the reason we want to do that is because when we don't resolve conflict quickly, then the devil has an opportunity to get his foot in the door. We're, we're providing the devil an opportunity. And when there's division between two people, it could be husband and wife, it could be two people in the church, it affects the entire body. And we don't necessarily think of it that way, but it, it's true. It, it does. When there is a sinful interaction between two people, it affects the entire body. And so we want to be mindful of that. In uh, verse 28, he who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Again, it's not just about me not stealing and, and getting a job. Um, that's very self-focused. I stop stealing and I get a job so that I can provide for my family. That's true. But I want to be prepared to provide for somebody else that is in need. I have other people in mind. I have other people in mind just uh, or beside myself. And so we see this, um, just a great principle here in, in, uh, in these verses with regard to being others-minded. And we've talked about that before with regard to the, you know, the 31, at least 31 one another commands in Scripture. Uh, we're supposed to love one another. We're supposed to care for one another. We're supposed to admonish one another. We're supposed to rebuke one another. All of those things are important aspects of the body of Christ. And so we want to be mindful of those things as we talk about um, uh, these rules of communication and then the conference table. And I've mentioned this before, too. Again, when we think about resolving conflict and having good communication in resolving conflict, we are actually preparing ourselves to help others later on. Uh, the conflict is an opportunity to learn and grow, so grow in Christ, but it's also an opportunity to be prepared to help others who are going to have conflict down the road. And we can provide advice, uh, guidance, and direction for them as that happens. So, um, again, th that's kind of how this, um, these verses are attached to the four rules of communication. Any question on uh, the four rules of communication, at least as far as what they they mean or stand for? Nancy? The effective problem. Yeah. So I heard you say effective problem is not effective. So oh, yeah. Good. Yeah, good question. Yeah, Nancy's question is uh, when we talk about the problem, identifying what the problem is, uh, one of the things you, they kind of teach you early on in biblical counseling is that the problem uh, is usually never the problem. <laughs> it sounds kind of goofy to say that, but um, typically when people come for counseling, they will say this is what's going on in uh, the situation. This is what uh, the issue is. And very rarely is that ever the issue. There's something else that's going on. And so we need to be mindful of that in the sense of... Uh, when we talk about, or we're going to have a, and we'll talk about that a little bit on the uh, conference table as we go through it, but when we start talking about having a meeting about the problem, you are going to find out many times that this thing that you think is the problem, as you start the discussion, really isn't the problem. Uh, but that, as we communicate, we're going to sift through all of that stuff and identify what the problem actually is. And now it's not that we're 
it's not that we've wasted time talking about what we thought the problem was. We're actually just refining or defining what the problem actually is. And that's just going to become clear as we go uh, through, through the counseling, right? Or as we go through the conference table, the, the discussion. And so uh, w it's good to be mindful of that. It's good to be mindful that many times uh, the problem that somebody thinks is the issue really isn't the issue at all. And you probably all have examples that you can think about where um, two people just perceived a situation in completely different ways. They thought, one person thought this happened, but that really wasn't what happened. Something else happened. It was the perception that somebody had, and they now think that there's been a, a problem or there's an issue that needs to be addressed. And that's fine. We, those are just clarification things that we want to do. You know, as we're doing this, we, again, being mindful that this is bigger than we are is good in the sense that we're looking out for the best for the other person. Uh, we're, we're not looking out necessarily for my own interest, right? It's the interest of others that's, or at least should be in the forefront of our mind as we have those discussions. If we think there's a problem, and this is just really with regard to sin and, uh, it goes back to you know Matthew 18. If we think there are problems or sin issues that need to be dealt with, our our idea, our understanding, our goal should not be to point out or um, uh, kind of put somebody under our thumb with regard to you did wrong and I'm right and you know you're the one to blame that kind of a thing. You know ultimately, if there's a sin issue, that person's relationship with the Lord is. Um, is not good, and we want that relationship that that relationship to be restored with the Lord. Uh, it's not that they've lost their salvation, but there is a a brokenness there between them and the Lord. We want that to be resolved, and then once that's resolved, uh, certainly the real relationship with with me is going to be resolved. And that's how it that's how it works. And so we want to be mindful of that. But that's a, it's a great question because we, we do have to be mindful that as we have, and that's why we want to sit down and talk about things. My perception of something can be completely wrong. I have to hold open that possibility that what I saw or the way I evaluated something is absolutely incorrect. That's deferring to the other person, right? I mean, that's an attitude of, a preference to the other person, which is also one of the one of the one another commands. We are to prefer one another, right? And so we have to be mindful of that. Any other questions on the four rules of communication? All right, let's move forward. If something else pops into your head, certainly let me know. All right, so we're gonna move on to the conference table handout. We're just gonna move through this. And again, if there's any questions, uh, let me know. And so we see just on the top of that, uh, the definition. It's just a structured use of rules of communication. And you may be saying, um, why do I need to have structured rules of communication? And that takes us to that area right below that. Yeah, there we go. Uh, again, this is kind of written more in the sense of uh, a counselor giving this to a counselee. But counselees have formed sinful habits and in times of stress will use them automatically. We have, in our life, become very good at communicating in an unbiblical way. 
And that's, again, some of us have come to the Lord earlier in life, and some of us have come to the Lord later in life. Uh, for those of us that have come to the Lord later in the life, we have trained ourselves to respond uh, typically in sinful ways, in unbiblical ways. And so we, it, it can really be advantageous to us to have some structured rules to get us uh, trained in the right way, to train us how we should be communicating with another person. What is the biblical way to communicate with somebody? Um, again, be there. Counselees require structure to change in order to form new habits and to communicate biblically. And then the conference table provides that structure. So again, this is not something magical or mystical or anything like that. It's just a, a tool to help us develop a biblical habits of communication. All right. What are our goals in implementing the conference table? Our goals are to learn to communicate biblically and to solve problems, the first of which is communication. That goes back to kind of what I mentioned that if we don't communicate well, we start to or we try to resolve conflict, it's just going to generate more conflict. And so you're not really getting anywhere. You're really just kind of spinning your wheels. And uh, and that's not fun. I mean, we all know that. Being in conflict is not fun. So, yeah, Josh. <laughs> it's uh, for, for those that, you know, again, this... If you implement this, maybe I should just say it this way. As we go about implementing this, initially, it may seem very clunky. It's just, you know, that's just, again, the way we've kind of trained ourselves. And so now we're trying to, it seems like it's almost a rigid thing. Well, that, again, that's just part of the structure. It's, it's trying to get you back to the way you should be doing things, right? Um, I mean, you can you can apply this to a number of things. You think about athletics. Uh, it could be football. It could be baseball. It could be hockey, soccer, whatever. Uh, many times people that go into athletics and, I mean, it, I used to see this all the time with uh, youth athletics. Um, it was always finding, not necessarily finding a coach. It was finding someone to supervise <laughs> what was going on. They knew nothing about the sport. And so kids learn very bad habits, things that are just not efficient when it comes to swimming or soccer or football. And you now get them and you're retraining them. And it could be a kid that really doesn't know how to tackle. And they've tackled a certain way all the way through, say, a freshman year in high school or sophomore year in high school. And you're trying to teach them now how to tackle the proper way. It's awkward. For them, it's like a fish out of water. They have no idea what they're doing. And every time you tell them this is how it should happen, they revert back to the way they've always done it. And it's a process. It's very clunky at first. But as they catch on, then things really zing along, right? And that's no different than here. It's going to seem very clunky, and, and I've you know been involved enough that I know a lot of people. They kind of want to just throw up their hands and all oh, this. It's no use. But that's where the training 
comes in. You're training yourself to respond and, and communicate biblically. So can we do something else, Josh? No. <laughs> that's my answer. All right, so that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to learn to communicate biblically, and we're trying to solve problems, the first of which is communication. All right, so we're just going to use some wisdom as we think about doing these things, again, because we're not used to them. So under arrangements there, we have to consider time. I'm going to sit down. We're going to have a conference table. Um, what does that look like? Well, one of the first things is time. How much time am I going to uh, spend on this? Uh, how are we going to decide on the time? Um, where is it best to have this conversation? Where do we do things? So again, these are not necessarily things that are etched in stone. They're just things that I think are, are wisdom, right? So we think about that first thing there. Uh, we're going to meet at a time that's agreeable to both people. Uh, how does that play out? Or what's a good example of why that's important, a time that's agreeable to both people? Yeah, Gary. Yeah, yeah. Other obligations we have that we're kind of getting in the way of those obligations. Yeah, that's a great example. What other examples can we think of where the time has to be agreeable, Jerry? Well, like mom had a bad day, dad walks in after a stressful day at work, and we try to talk about something. Right. Yeah, we've got uh, mom that has just uh, uh, been kind of frazzled throughout the day with whatever is going on. Uh, two of the kids are sick. They've been throwing up all over the house. Uh, uh, <laughs> not that bad. <laughs> and, uh, right, uh, she's been trying to get everything cleaned up and whatever, uh, trying to get the dinner ready, and now the husband comes home. He's had a bad day at work. Uh, he's, he's frazzled as well. Uh, trying to sit down and have a discussion at that point is a bad idea, right? What's another example of... Uh, uh, having a good time to, to get together and have a discussion. How about the situation where one, oh, one person's a morning person and the other person's a night person? Um, if you're not a morning person and the morning person wants to have a discussion at 6 a.m., a bad idea, right? Or if you're a morning person and the other person's a night person and night night person says, I really kind of thrive at 11 o'clock at night, right? That's a bad idea, right? So um, I think I may have shared this before, but, you know, kind of a rule in our house when the kids were young and even to some extent now, uh, nothing was discussed after 9 o'clock. It wasn't going to happen. Uh, it didn't matter that, I mean, they tried, um, but I knew where things ended up. It was just, it's not going to happen. Right. Um, and that's because I knew that at that point um, they did not operate well after nine o'clock. It's just the reality of it. That's when I thrive, <laughs> but not the rest of the family. So, again, we just want to be mindful of those things. We don't want to pick a time that is going to really just make the problem worse. And so we're going to use some uh, wisdom in that. Uh, and that goes into three, they're best when we're not at our worst physically. And so we want to be mindful of those things. Uh, the place that we're going to meet, uh, just again, this is a wisdom thing, preferably not someplace used frequently. So they'll say, 
you don't use the dining room table. We don't want to use the dining room table because that's where we have family meals. And if we are trying to always resolve conflict at the dining room table, that actually becomes a place now that's probably not uh, that likable. And so we don't want to do something like that, right? Um, and plus, we want to think about, um, um, again, places that we can have the, uh, the, the meeting where we're not interrupted, right? If we're kind of out there in the middle, and again, with kids, uh, at times it's hard to schedule those times to have un uninterrupted uh, conversation, but we're trying to do that so that we don't, we, we minimize interruption, right? So we want to think about those things, all right? Any questions on the, uh, the arrangements or time and place? All right, let's move on to rules and procedures. Um, uh, the participants, uh, who's going to uh, be involved in this uh, communication, this con conference table, are really the people that are involved in the conflict. Um, if you have, again, family, seen this before, where uh, there's a conflict between two people, there's seven people in the family, and well, we're going to get this resolved, and we're going to get the whole family together and resolve the issue. There's no need to do that. There's only two people that are involved, right? There's no sense bringing in people uh, to the, to the uh, communication or conference table that were not involved in whatever is going on. So, again, we're going to keep it to the people that are involved. And, again, that's just a wisdom, uh, wisdom thing. So, again, it could be the husband and wife. It could be a parent and a child. Uh, now, you may have to try to do things differently. Again, if you've got two teenage uh, children, they have the conflict, and they're, you're training them how to resolve these things. Then there may need to be a parent there to supervise how this goes along, right? So that's part of the process. But typically, we want to keep it to just those people that are uh, having the conflict. The signal there, uh, just number one, it says establish a sign. Could be stand up and fold your arms, uh, raise uh, your hand. Uh, could be having, uh, uh, you know, some kind of a cup or something that maybe is nearby. You're going to put that in the center of a table or wherever you're meeting. And if a rule of communication is broken, then you're going to stand up, right? You're not going to say anything. You're just going to stand up or you're going to put that cup. You're going to grab a hold of that cup and move it. That's a signal to the other person that a rule has been broken. It's up to that person that has broken the rule now to evaluate and figure out how it is they broke uh, the rule. What, what did they do to break the rule, right? So, again, let's just say that um, I'm having a discussion with Glenn, and um, I say, Glenn, we're having a conversation, and I say, well, that wouldn't happen, Glenn, if you would not do this thing, right? I've just broken a rule of communication. I've attacked him instead of the problem. Glenn takes the cup and he slides it across the table. And that tells me that I just broke a rule and I have to figure out what it is. Um, now, certainly he can help if, if I'm not getting it, right? Um, but I want to identify the rule, as it says under two there. I want to identify the rule that I broke. I want to ask for forgiveness. Obviously, I want to move in the direction of change. And then we're going to remove the, uh, uh, resume the, the communication. This is where things get clunky because early on, you're probably going to be standing up and sitting down quite a bit. That's, again, we're just not used to 
to doing the communication. And But that's how we work through it. That's how we work through it, and that's how we train ourselves to communicate biblically. The, the, uh, the one thing I would really highlight there is the asking for forgiveness, the repentance over our sinful action. Obviously, if I'm not telling the truth, um, I'm, I'm lying. That's a sin, and I need to admit those things, right? I need to confess those things. I need to ask for forgiveness, and then really we want to have that plan of change. How am I going to change through all of these things? Um, and again, with uh, attacking a person, I'm going after their character. Uh, to some extent, that, that could be lying as well, depending on what I'm saying about that person. Uh, but we're not being kind to somebody when we're going after their um, uh, their character. We we are not being gentle, uh, thoughtful, any of those things when we're going after somebody else's character. And so we want to be mindful of those things. So uh, once we take care of all that, then we resume the con- uh, the conversation. Right? Any questions on those things? Kind of the rules and procedure, at least these. Um, uh, the first two. Yeah. Sure. Um, so let's go back to the um, issue with Glenn and I, right? Um, I go after his character, and he lets me know that I've just broken a rule of communication. I repent of that. I ask for forgiveness. And I go back, and I, I, would, re- I would say something like, Glenn, I appreciate you as a brother. Um, we're brothers in Christ, and we have an issue that we're trying to resolve. And I'm trying to understand your side of it. Help me to understand um, what was going on when this thing happened. What were you thinking about? Just what, what was the, how were you processing something like that, right? I'm not asking that in a way of, uh, I'm not saying, like, what in the world were you thinking, right? That, that's kind of an attacking thing. I'm just, I want to understand where you were coming from when this all transpired. Because it could be that I just completely don't understand uh, what Glenn's perception was of a particular situation. I've just have, I have this whole thing in my head that he is wrong minded from the get go, right? And that's not thinking the best of Glenn at all, that's being very selfish. And so I want to, I want to rephrase my conversation, my communication, to put him in the best light that I possibly can, provide grace to him. I want to be kind to him. I want to be tenderhearted toward him. And so that's how I would change my, my conversation. Right? Yeah, Gary. Another one was just like words always, never. Right. Correct. Right, right. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, the, that whole thing with, uh, you know, the you always do whatever, th- that is simply just not true. And it's very attacking language, right? Uh, a person doesn't always do whatever we're uh, claiming they're always doing. It uh, just doesn't, uh, it's just not reality. And that's a way of, of really making us to be the, the better person in the situation. And so we have to be careful with those things. All right. Good questions. Great question. All right. So these rules uh, continued with the signal continued. 
Um, this is a good one uh, under three there. Each is to serve as a helpful coach, not as condemning judge. So as a person, think about having a conversation with somebody, in, again, a conflict, and we're having a conversation with them. Many times we have this attitude of, I want to be right. I want, through this conversation, I want to show that I am right in this and you're wrong in this. That's not the goal of the conference table. It's not the goal of the communication. The goal as we go through this and there's failure on somebody with uh, the way they're communicating, we need to see ourselves as a coach uh, helping them, helping them to get better just as they are helping me to get better. That's what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, when we go into this kind of pitted against one another, that's not good. That's, that, that's an adversarial relationship. And so we want to be mindful of that as we sit down and have the communication. We're in this thing together. We're in this thing together. We're going to work through this. Uh, I want the best for the other person. They want the best for me. And so that's how we're going to have the, the communication, right? And we want to make sure that uh, we do that. that. And that's kind of the idea there under 3A. The goal is not to see how many times you can catch the other sinful uh, communication. You know, if that's, if that's our hard attitude that I'm going to go into this and uh, I got a little sheet of paper in front of me and I'm going to make a tally mark every time they do something wrong, right? And at the end, I'm going to turn it over and say, look at that. You, you broke the rules 25 times. I mean, that's just not encouraging <laughs> at all, right? No, there's sometimes we want to do that. Uh, my, I, I think back on uh, uh, when I was learning how to, to be a lifeguard and the instructor was telling us how to effectively communicate to children and certain things to say and not to say. And one of the things he said was you never want to use the word okay. And the reason you never want to use the word okay is because it gives them an option. You're going to swim from this side of the pool to the other side of the pool, okay? And they go, no. <laughs> right? You can't chastise them for not doing it because you gave them the option. You gave them the option to say yes or no. So I thought I was pretty good and I put together my lesson plan and presented it and he kept track of all the times I said okay. <laughs> and it was more than I care to imagine. So don't do that. Anyway, we don't want to do that. That's not our goal. Our goal is not to embarrass the other person or to catch them. All of those things. You are teammates and we're, we're there to help each other. And that makes us mindful of Matthew 7, 3 and 5, right? Looking at the log that's in our own eye when we're trying to point out the speck that is in the other person's eye. That's very helpful to be mindful of those things. Leadership, again, in, in the sense of the husband and wife relationship, the husband is responsible to call the conference and prearrange uh, the times. And that just is a leadership thing. It's not that other people can't call the conference or request a conference, but it helps to have the, uh, the husband take on the leadership role that is in the family. And so we want to promote that as we think about doing these things. Again, there, number two, either a person may request it at other times or emergency. So it's, again, not, not a thing that somebody else cannot do it, but we want to continue to have the structure 
in the home. The rules and procedures again continued. Uh, one of the things they recommend, and again, you don't have to do it this way, it's just a recommendation. Uh, the wife would keep the written record of the day and the time, the topics uh, addressed, the solutions reached, steps to be taken, and topics not solved. So it is possible that we're going to have things that we're going to talk about that are not going to get solved. And uh, we think about, uh, again, going back to the time that we talked about, <clears throat> um, having a, uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute, but just having a preset amount of time that we're going to talk about. So even the thing that you could add there would be um, to have a, uh, someone keep track of the time. We're going, we're going to talk about in a minute, but have a preset time. We're going to have a discussion for 30 minutes. And that's it. So when 30 minutes is up, you set a timer. However, you're going to do it. I mean, cell phones now have that. You set a timer for 30 minutes. It goes off and it's done. You're, you're done with the conversation. So be mindful of those things. All right. Uh, again, more of the rules and procedures, the topics. Uh, we're going to begin by reading Ephesians 4, 25 to 32. We're going to go back over the rules of communication. We're going to reiterate those before we have the conversation because we want everybody to be on the same page. We want those things fresh in our mind. You can even have something there to keep those in front of you so that you're mindful of those rules of communication. That's why it says keep them visible. All right. Um, each person prays briefly, asking God to help you communicate biblically amid um, uh, to solve the problem. Again, that's just kind of a wisdom thing. We're going to we're going to go to the Lord and we're going to ask the Lord to be involved in what's going on. We're going to want wisdom from the Lord to resolve the issues. Uh, I want to see things clearly. I want to see things biblically. And so we're asking the Lord uh, to be involved in that. Um, the, the third one there, initially only deal with the day's problem. Again, as we start to do these things, there could be all kinds of unresolved issues in our life, in our marriage. The things that we haven't dealt with. And it could be 20, 30, 40 things. We don't want to try to tackle all those things. It's just not going to work. We just want to deal with that day's issue, right? And so we're going to, we're going to handle that one issue and move on. Um, the uh, uh, alternate terms, uh, turns in bringing up matters to be discussed. So it's, uh, again, that's a, a wisdom thing. So if, um, if I have, maybe I've got a list of 20 things I want to talk about. If I just keep bringing all these things forward like that and never giving the other person an opportunity to bring anything they want to talk about, then I'm just controlling everything that's going on, right? It's just being uh, preferential to the other person as well. Um, uh, deal with problems, again, as you are learning to communicate biblically, you only want to do these things kind of at a conference table. This is the place where there's structure. Now, once you have learned this and are good at it, yeah, then you can kind of handle things on the fly. Um, you can talk about things pretty much anytime, anywhere. It's not really going to matter because now you've trained yourself to, to uh, communicate biblically. And so you want to think about those things. Um, number uh, seven there, problems are to be discussed with a view to solution. And uh, you want to be specific. So there's a problem. You both see the problem. How are we going to resolve the problem? 
You want the resolution to be specific. You don't want it to be vague. Um, the the vagueness really just moves, uh, I really think, moves things in the direction of chaos. Because now when it's vague, both parties don't really know what they're supposed to do. There might be some general guidelines, but you really don't know what your role is at that point moving forward. So we want to be careful with those things. Then again, we want to keep the goals in mind. What is the goal in us having this conference table in the first place? Right. All right, any questions on those things? All right. The rules and procedures uh, kind of continued here. The length is what I was mentioning before. Uh, at least 30 minutes, no more than 60. And I would say as you implement this, I would start out with no more than 30. <laughs> uh, 30 is it, right? Um, and again, it's very important that we stick to that, set a timer. We get to the end of 30 minutes, we haven't resolved anything. We're really going to just table uh, what's what our discussion is until the next conference table. And, you know, we're not pressuring someone to say, okay, well, we talk for 30 minutes. The next conference table is going to be uh, in a half hour. <laughs> we're going we're to take a 30-minute break and we're going to come back. You know, you're just asking for trouble when you do things like that. Um, 30 minutes will go by pretty quick. And you may feel very good about the conversation you're having and say, let's go 60. Let's extend it another 30. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. I'm telling you, don't do it. Uh, the temptation is there. Uh, it's very unwise to do that. So um, every once in a while in, in, in counseling, I'll give people uh, uh a little, uh, I guess it looks like a calendar, but it kind of goes through sin problems. And I'll ask a person to identify the sins they they think are the most prominent in their life. And they can come up with a list of, say, five, five of the most prominent. And this little tool helps people to identify those sins and then to have a plan of attack to address those sins. And... I, I've just seen it over the last probably 15 years, how that tool, it's amazing how you give that to somebody and you tell them, okay, now you're going to go through this thing and you're going to find five sins that you want to work on. But the, the, the assignment is to work on one, just one. So bring back the, the homework. And you identify just one that you want to work on. I can't tell you how many times people have come back and said, oh, there's three I want to work on. There's four I want to work on. And it's like, no, <laughs> you're going to work on one, right? We, it's good because we're identifying things, but what you're doing is just setting yourself up for failure. Because once you start getting into resolving four sin issues at one time, it just becomes overwhelming. You think you can do it. You're excited about doing it, and that's a great thing, but it becomes overwhelming. And the same kind of principle applies here. It's, it's good intentioned in that we want to resolve these things, but we have to exercise wisdom in how we uh, go about doing it. Uh, the second one, if no solutions, put off to the next time. And that's part of keeping the notes and knowing where you're at in the conversation, what was talked about. Uh, what, where were we tracking when we ended the conversation? Because that's where we're going to pick it up the next time we 
uh, resume the conversation, right? See there, uh, you can see on your sheet, it says if unable to, to agree, agree to disagree. And you can see on the overhead I have with caution. Um, the reason I have with caution on the slide is because I'm not really fond of this, the, what the saying has become now, uh, uh, agree to disagree. Because at times in the Christian community, that means I just get to decide what I think the Bible says. And I don't care what the Bible really says. That's the way I take it. And so we're going to agree to disagree. Well, that's not helpful to anybody if we take it to that extent, right? Now, there could be circumstances where we're trying to figure out something, and we may have to agree to disagree in the sense of uh, uh, buying a new automobile, right? Um, we're going to buy a used vehicle. Um, uh, the husband likes this vehicle. The wife likes this vehicle. And... They have great reasons. Each of them has great reasons for why they want their particular vehicle. None of those reasons are sinful. They are preference things. And even after uh, asking other people for advice on which car they should buy, they're still at the same place. He wants this car, she wants this car, and again, there's no sinful issue involved. At that point, yeah, you may have to agree to disagree and at that point, is it going to be a compromise? We're just going to go with some other vehicle to, to compromise? Or how are we going to do that? You know, again, in, in, in a home situation, um, ultimately that, that decision is going to fall on, on the man. Uh, he's the one that's going to ultimately be held responsible for that situation. Uh, he makes the, the good, good decision, bad decision. He's the one that's responsible. And we submit to that. But that's not a... Um, that's not happening over a 10-minute conversation, right? I think this car, she thinks this car. We've talked about it for 10 minutes. Uh, okay, I, I, I hear you, but we're still going to go buy this one, right? That's, that's not conversation. Or that's not thinking it through. So that's why I say with caution, be careful with that attitude. Uh, the total number of conferences, uh, we continue until the participants have learned to communicate biblically and to solve problems and we'll begin to use the principles automatically. So again, that's how we're training ourselves. For some couples, that could happen in five, six, seven conference tables. For other couples, that may take 25 or 30 conference tables to really train yourself on how to do this. But that's all part of, of the training process. Again, think of it in the sense of uh, athletics. There are some athletes that catch on quicker and others that takes longer. That's just the reality of life. It doesn't mean that one is better than the other necessarily in the, in the sense of more spiritually mature or anything. It's just the reality of where things are in life. So uh, don't beat yourself up over, over those things. All right. Any questions on the rules and procedures and uh, some of the things that we've talked about and how you would apply those things? Yeah, Jerry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. is, is it advisable Certainly, we we always want to um, just in general with regard to heart work before a conference table. We're going to pray as we have the conference table before we start it. But it would kind of as a for me, probably should have said this up front, so I'm glad you brought it up with the sense, uh, with the sense of 
just general direction in the Christian's life. When we're thinking about things like that, it's my hope that we understand just a, a basic idea of this is that we're preparing our hearts before we ever get there. So let's say that I schedule, uh, again, I'll pick on Glenn. Uh, I work it out with Glenn that we're going to have a conversation on Tuesday afternoon at 3 o'clock. So between now and Tuesday, I'm not just sitting there going, yeah, I'm going to have this meeting with Glenn on Tuesday at 3. I'm praying about what I'm praying about my part in this and praying about uh, really the reality that we're going to resolve this thing. I want this thing resolved because it's honoring to God. It's honoring to Glenn. Uh, it's honoring to uh, the, the body of Christ. So, yeah, we we definitely want to be thinking through those things. Anytime we think about conflict resolution or think about even uh, we think somebody is in sin, uh, we, we really need to be praying about, am I assessing this thing rightly? You know, did I see this rightly? Did I hear that person rightly? Uh, do I know exactly what's going on? Uh, certainly that's part of having the, the communication as we're going to hopefully flush all that out. But yeah, we want to we be preparing our heart uh, for those things as we meet with the other person, definitely. Yep. Yeah. Patty. I love that there's rules. I mean, like if someone sits yeah. down, if you're going to sit down and everyone agrees to the rules, right. and they're Christians and they want to grow and learn, I mean, that's the whole purpose of it. Right. I think just laying that out first makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because if everyone agrees, right. and then you biblically Right. Yeah. I just see that as being super successful. Right. Yeah. Again, it's, it goes back to um, as as non-believers. Uh, again, that could be for those maybe at a young age or or older age. Uh, we've just learned to communicate in the wrong way. We we don't have things like that in our mind, and so to have everybody on the same page uh, is is a profitable, very profitable. And I, I like what Patty said there about uh, both parties agreeing to those rules, right? Again, that's no different than, uh, you know, sporting events. Uh, both teams are playing according to the same rules, right? That makes things move along. So, yeah, very good. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great point, Dave. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's what you agreed to. Uh, that's what we're moving forward. Yeah, and understanding that's the best for both parties, all parties involved. We're agreeing to those things. That's setting the standard for how we're going to move forward. It's not Dave's standard. It's not my standard, right? It's the Lord's standard in how he set this uh, set this up. So, yeah, great, great. Any other questions or comments on the whole thing? You do have, I don't have a slide for it, but you do have a page three, which is really just that uh, a conference table form. You, again, you see that's pretty straightforward, the names, date, and you kind of go, well, this is <laughs> maybe seems kind of legalistic. Um, it's just a way to uh, keep record of that. And again, the good thing in there is that, again, if we're assuming a conflict between a husband and wife, uh, the husband gets to spell out what their observations are. The wife gets to spell out. Uh, what her observations are, 
and then the actions that are take, taken as well as a plan of action. Well, that, that's what I really love about this thing is a plan of action. We're not just going to have a conversation for the sake of having a conversation and then kind of parting ways. There's a goal here, uh, and we want to do this, right? And, and uh, really important in the sense of a husband and wife. Well, why is it really important in the sense of a husband and wife that we resolve these conflicts and we move forward in, in unity? Awfully quiet in here. Joe. Right. Sure, yeah. Yeah, we see that in 1 Peter 3, 7, uh, uh, living with our wives in an understanding way, right? Uh, the other would be uh, uh, honoring the Lord, and certainly that goes with that, would be the, the picture of the marriage relationship as one of Christ in the church, right? That is what we are hopefully portraying to the world, uh, the picture of Christ in the church. And so that's why it's, uh, you know, uh, eternally important, if you will, that we resolve conflicts with the husband and wife. And, and certainly with, uh, we think about this in the parent, parent and child relationship, we want to resolve these conflicts too. We want to make sure that we are not provoking our children to anger. And that's why the, the plan of action is very important in situations like that. There's, you know, just kind of take it as you will, but there is really nothing worse in the parent-child relationship than us chastising our children for things they do not know what the standard is. We think they do. We've told them, right? Go make your bed. They go and make it. It's not what we wanted them to do, but they made it. And then we punish them for making their bed in an open-ended agreement. Go make your bed. What does that mean? Does that mean the blankets can't be on the floor? They all have to be on the bed? Does it mean that we have to have, uh, what do they call that? What is the military term for the corners? <laughs> What's that? Hospital corners? <laughs> Yeah, uh, and the uh, when we the pillows are covered and creased, right? Uh, is that what we mean? How do they know? Have we told them, right? That's why we, it's very important that we have them. We explain all that to them as well, because when we don't, and then we we punish them for doing something wrong when there was no instruction on how to do it right, that we are provoking them to anger. And that can come out in many different ways, right? So, yeah, so again, just some, some wisdom things that we uh, think about there. And, and certainly the last one, the Scriptures consulted. We don't want to have this communication apart from the Scriptures. Uh, that, that is our guide for everything. And so we want to make sure that we're looking at, as we try to resolve problems or resolve issues, resolve conflict, what does the Bible say about what we should be doing? That's very important, extremely important. All right, that'll do. Chad, you want to close us in prayer? Thanks for taking the time to listen and learn with us. 
We hope that next time you'll join us in person. We meet every Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10 a.m. In addition to our traditional worship service, we also offer Sunday school classes for children and adults, as well as child care services in our staffed nursery. For more information about Bethel Baptist Church, please visit our website.